My guest today is the author of the books, Creating Texture and Creating Texture Soft Textures. And she has a unique history in textile design and printing in business as a college professor and lecturing worldwide on the topic. Today is all about color and texture in fabric prints. Welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Hello and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore quilting stories that will inspire, motivate, and bring you more joy and less overwhelm in the studio. I'm your host, Brandy Maslowski, also known as the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share this week's episode with you. So here we go. The work of Gunnel Hug in clothing and interior fabrics has been represented at international design exhibitions. She has received many grants and awards for her work, including Ontario Arts Council grants and a Ministry of Industry and Trade Award. When you take a look at the gallery on her website, you can see the color and texture jumping off the screen. You know I love textile art, and I can't wait to get into her story. Gunnel Hug, welcome to the show. Hello. It's so nice to have you here. Now, I love to start off by taking a little look back. So can you tell us a bit about the beginning of your textile art story? Well, I think it started when I was at university in Stockholm, at Stockholm University, studying English. And uh, then I kind of, I've always been interested in art. And uh, I took evening classes, and one was silkscreen printing on fabric. And um, I was just blown away, and that was it for me. And I went to art college in London, England, and did um, silkscreen printing, textile design, all kinds of stuff like that. And that was the real beginning of my love, eternal love for screen printing on fabric. Well, I could see how that immersion could really get you going. So was there, you know, a key figure or some people in your life early on that guided you? There were. There, it, there, it was my first silkscreen printing teacher in Sweden. And he was so wonderful and so supportive of anything I was doing. And um, yeah, that, he was the one. Oh, that's great. And so where are you in the world right now? And who do you surround yourself with every day? I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And uh, I've got some lovely groups of textile artists, fiber artists. So that's who I hang out with. And my family, my daughter as well, and, and her dog. <laughs> Yeah. And what style do you gravitate to in your textile art and quilting? You know, I tend to be mostly abstract, I think, and with a lot of texture because I use my my own pigment system. And with that, I can create an awful lot of texture in my work. So I love doing that. And I also use a lot of photographs in my work. So I think what that does is that it just creates a, a different dimension to a lot of my work where I can use photographs, I can put them in, I can distort them, I print them on fabric, obviously, and then also incorporate my pigments with screen printing and so on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love it. And so when you talk about texture, are you talking about the art piece being flat, but the visual of the paint is what adds the texture? Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. I create texture with the pigments on the fabric, but they are actually flat, like you said. Yeah. So, or, you know, I mean, I quilt them, so they have a little bit of that sort of texture to them too, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your careers because they you had some incredible careers for 30 years. Um, tell us about Trees Textile Designers and Printers. Ah, Yeah. When I first came to Canada, I really, I was trained as a textile designer at art college and I really couldn't get a job here. So I was, you know, working temp jobs and things like that. And I just really wanted to get into my field, of course. And I started tie dyeing t-shirts and that really took off. And I sold them to lots of little boutiques in Toronto. And then uh, I went uh, you know, when tie-dyeing kind of wasn't so popular anymore, I started screen printing t-shirts and that went well too. And and then, you know, I got fed up with that and I started to screen print on clothing. And that turned into my clothing line, my hand-printed clothing line. So I did that. And uh, all the the clothing was hand printed and it just grew with scarves and so on. And it became a big hit. It became my life. (laughs) Yeah, for 30 years. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you created for theater companies? Oh, that too. Yeah, that was wonderful. And it just happened again by chance, you know, that somebody came to me and said, can you print this costume for this theater company and the great one was the Lion King which was absolutely wonderful to work on it was a theater production that ran in Toronto for several years and of course you have to redo the costumes because the dancers would be you know exchanged for another dancer you had to do the costumes in different sizes now I didn't do the costumes I only did the fabrics for the costumes and then they would go to the costume maker who would make up the costumes and the dyer, there was another dyer who would dye the leotards to match the skin tone of the dancer. It was a fabulous production to work on. I've also worked on a lot of movies and, you know, some better than others. At one point I thought, okay, I'm going to watch all the movies I worked on and some of them, (laughs) Some of them were good and others were not. (laughs) It was really interesting. Yeah. So can we get a little glimpse into your process? So it doesn't sound like you're making the garments. Are you taking just like sheets of fabric and creating that? Or are you taking garments and then creating textiles on the garments, textile designs? Um, Mostly it's the flat fabric. Like it would be either white or the color or, you know, the background color that they want. And I would screen print or otherwise produce the pattern on the fabric. Uh-huh. And then it would go to back to the company. So then, you know, I don't do any sewing. But for one production, what we did was, you know, you have big screens. So I had to have assistants to help me with it. I yeah. couldn't do it all on my own. So then we would print the fabric 
And then it would go back to the cost to the sewers or the costume makers who made it. And sometimes they would send it back to me for extra sort of decoration on the T-shirts or whatever it was they had produced. So it, then we worked, of course, on those pieces that they sent back because they wanted some, something placed in a specific position on the garment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds so neat. And when you had your line of clothing that you printed on, can you describe that to us? Was it a full printed shirt or was it a, a white t-shirt with something printed on it, like a saying or something? Yeah, I, I didn't do any t-shirts actually. It was again, it was printing because I had sewers working for me. Yeah. So it was printing the fabric, adding the fabric and then sending it off to the sewers who would stitch it up. And a lot of them were on silk. So they were, it would be more evening wear. Mm -hmm. And I also printed a lot on terry, cotton, fresh trench terry, jersey, things like that as well. So, but that was the same process, printing the fabric, cutting it, and then sending it off to be sewn. So it was quite a big production actually. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad I asked you that because sometimes when you hear printed clothing, you think of t-shirts right away and Ah, it sounds like something much more artful that you were creating. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And you were also a professor in the textile studio at Sheridan College. So what kind of things did you do there? Oh, there I taught the students all kinds of different printing. So You know, they had to learn block printing. They had to learn how to paint on fabric and screen printing, of course. So, yeah, and that was for 12 years I was there. And textile design as well, how to do it on paper, how to design the fabrics on paper. And to repeat print, you know, like prints have to be repeated to look like they're continuous sometimes. So, yeah, so they learned all that sort of stuff. It was great. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And you still actually teach courses like that to this day, right? I do. Yeah, I teach at the Halliburton School of Art and Design in Halliburton, Ontario. And I teach part of a diploma program where it's a wonderful program. It's only 16 weeks long and they get different instructors for different portions of the course. So I teach the pigment applications on fabric. So it will be painting, block printing, screen printing for my week when I'm out there. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's great. And then also for those people who don't want to go to Halliburton or can't go there to take a full 16 week course, you also do a summer thing. I do a summer thing in Halliburton. Uh, it's a summer school. Uh, and it's Halliburton School of Design and Art, Art and Design as well. And I also teach online. So, great. Okay. You know, COVID talk- had some good things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Another really thing that was cool that I saw on your website was that you were a visiting lecturer in India. So, tell us about that. Yeah. It's the National Institute of Design in Ahmedabad, in the state of Gujarat in India. And uh, basically, I was just doing some lectures there, and it was really great. I had some lovely students, and I got to 
meet, you know, Indian block makers who made the wood blocks and experience India, of course, which was lovely. Yes, I've been collecting those blocks for years everywhere I ever see them. And I would love to go there one day to see them made in person. That would be really cool. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your creative process. What's your favorite surface design technique that you kind of gravitate towards the most? I think my love altogether all these years has been screen printing, but I also love just using objects to create texture on fabric with the pigments. You can work with the pigments, you can layer them, and then you can use some objects. And my favorite objects that I use is a potato masher. Uh So I use a potato masher a lot. And, you know, then I can create all kinds of textures on the fabric within the design, the whole design. Yeah. So how um, is how is Color V different than dyeing your fabric? Ah, Color V is a pigment system, which means that it sort of sits on the surface of the fabric, whereas dyeing, you dip the fabric into a liquid dye. So here you use the pigments on top of the fabric. So you can screen print with them, you can block print with Color V, You can also paint with it and use uh, various uh, resist techniques like wax and soya wax and so on. It's actually very versatile. I mean, when I first started, I was just using it for screen printing. And then it was actually teaching at Sheridan College that got me thinking, okay, we can use this for all kinds of stuff. So we did. And uh, that got me uh, on that road as well. So. Yeah. And so why is Color V your number one choice? Oh, that's very interesting, too. When I first started, I bought um, it has it consists of three components. It has a base. It has the actual pure pigment and it has the it's called ResFix, which is something that makes it very wash fast on the fabric. And when I started using it, I was just buying it and it contained Varsol and I became very allergic to the Varsol. So a friend of mine and I, we started contacting uh, the technicians at the Bear Company and they worked with us. Her name, my friend's name is Valerie Knapp and she was very, uh, you know, instrumental in, in this as well, of course. And um, what they did is that they managed to create a base that didn't contain Varsol. It was water-based, and it worked just as well. Um, I guess the only drawback to Varsol was that it took a little longer to drying, you know, to dry, which is okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and that's how we started carrying it, and now I'm carrying the Color V product and, you know, mixing it and so on. Yeah. So really, if you think about that whole conversation, what you're saying is it's safer to use than other products, right? Yes. And I think that was almost a start for people making things that did not contain Varsol or other, you know, dangerous chemicals. It's not a natural pigment at all, but it's water-based, so it's safe to use and you can, Mm -hmm. you know, pour it down your drain, no problem when you clean your tools and yeah, and definitely safer than dyeing as well, because all those powders can be very dangerous, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're using the powders for dyeing, you really need to 
wear a mask and be in a ventilated room. For this, you don't. Yeah. It doesn't really have an odor either. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm in my studio in the basement. I don't have any ventilation in here. And I have to have the windows wide open if I'm ever even going to paint with just acrylic paints. Because it yeah. just, you know, it has a scent and, you know, you don't want your fabric to start smelling like that. And you don't want things to smell that way. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you just had an entire day to yourself, you didn't have to do anything for your business or get ready for teaching or anything like that. You had an entire day to play with Color View. What would you do in your studio? <laughs> I would just paint my little heart out you know? <laughs> and use all my tools to make texture. And a lot of my my fabrics now, of course, go into quilts. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I would do. And just experiment with new things and just go crazy. Just yeah. have fun. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Okay, so let's talk about some of the shows. Your work has been accepted into Saqqa Quilt shows. So what were some of the highlights? Well, you know, I mean, it's interesting when you enter shows, you know, you <laughs> you get accepted less than you get rejected, I think. But, yeah. you know, when you get accepted, it's really fun. So uh, some of them have traveled um Oh, across the world almost. It's totally amazing. I think Sakwa is awesome about that. Mm -hmm. So the one that I'm most proud of, I think, is the one that's called My Corner of the World. So I used photographs and a frame that was rubbed with Color V of Manitoulin Island, which is one of my absolutely favorite places in Ontario. I have several. <laughs> yeah. And so Sakwa is really great because they have traveling shows, right? They do. Yeah. And they also have all kind I mean, all kinds of other things where you the members can meet up and chat. Well, online now. So COVID has been good in that way, that we've done more online things and you can connect with people more that way, which yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And your work has been featured in magazines, galleries, shows. So tell us about exploring art quilts. That's a, a magazine that comes out quarterly or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, my work has been included in that, which is lovely. I think one of them was, I don't piece my quilts much, but that one was a pieced quilt, you know, a modern kind of pieced quilt yeah. that only had a little bit of manipulated and, and pigment painted fabric in it. But um, yeah, it's it's that's, very nice. Yeah, that sounds really good. So which quilt went into that one? Or was it a series of quilts or something? That was just one. Uh -huh. And it was called Green is the New Black. Oh, <laughs> that's a great title. Yeah, I know. I know. It, a, a friend of mine came up with it. It wasn't my Oh, that's <laughs> my good. That's idea. good. I'm very bad with coming up names for my quilts. <laughs> and so you're also featured in 1000 Quilt Inspirations by Sandra Sider. I am. Yeah. So what kind of artwork did you have in that? She had a thousand quilts in that book. Wow. It's amazing. And um, my quilt was called Sunset Over Georgian Bay. Mm -hmm. which is another place that I love in, in Ontario. Georgian Bay is in Lake Huron. Mm -hmm. And in that one, I had 
manipulated the background that looks like a sunset. And I use a lot of leaves in my work. So I print with the actual leaves. So the leaf there is what's actually the, the setting sun in a way. It, yeah. sound, it sounds really weird when you describe it. You kind of have to see it. <laughs> yeah, you have to see it. And you can go to the gallery on your website, right? So let's just talk yes. about your website for a minute. So your website is Gunnel Hug Studio. So let me spell that. G-U-N-N-E-L hagstudio.com. And you can check out, you know, there's a tab that says artwork and there's a whole bunch of different things. There's large art quilts, photographic art quilts, recent artwork and small art quilts. So you can check it all out there. And then the other thing I wanted to say was there's a couple of terms that you've mentioned that we just, I just want to make sure that people know what you mean. So a few minutes ago, you said color fast. Does that mean that it will stay in the, on the fabric and it will not wash out? Absolutely. Yeah. When you finished your art piece using Color V, you have to heat set it. You have to wait for it to dry, obviously, and then heat set it. And you can just use an iron to heat set it. Yeah. And then it's completely color fast. It doesn't fade in the light. It doesn't fade in the wash. And, uh, you know, it can last forever, pretty much. Now, when I had my big business and I was doing fashion, uh, I had a heat box, which is like a large oven where we could hang in 20 yards of fabric and heat set that at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So can you put an iron right on it once it's dry or do you use a compressing cloth or something in between? I don't use a pressing cloth, but but on the fabric, I turned the fabric so that you you're heat setting from the back of the fabric oh, okay. and you really have to iron slowly and deliberately yeah. to make sure that it reaches that high temperature where you really can't touch the fabric yeah. and then you got without burning it of course mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. great so when you see something inspiring in the world how do you capture that i i use a sketchbook and i sketch very rudimentary sketches it's just you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and make notes. And I make lots of notes. And I take lots of photographs. Yeah. And a lot of my inspiration is nature. And a lot of it, I guess, is just in my head. <laughs> yeah. And when you talked about that landscape quilt a few minutes ago, was it a pictorial landscape or was it more abstract? It was definitely more abstract. Yeah. But you got the sense of the sunset, you know, because they had a deep orange kind yeah. of yeah gradation at the top yeah yeah so let's talk about more of your art so you have some series so let's talk about the water series ah that's my latest thing I love doing the the water series the underwater and uh, the one of the quilts which was called mm, sun underwater and that one was in Vancouver at the Canadian Quilters Association Okay. They have a conference every year, I think. Yes, mm-hmm. it's every year. And a big exhibition. It's a juried exhibition. So that was in there. So it, a lot of them are blue, of course. Uh, you know, the water thing. Yeah. And heavily textured. And if you go on my website, I think I have a, a little quick video of that. Otherwise, it's on my YouTube channel. So you can just look up Colonel Hogg. 
Yeah. And I can see that one, Sun Underwater, on your website. It's a whole cloth art quilt and it's this gorgeous blue with the sun over top. So can you tell us a bit about the processes? It looks like you might have used tools on it when you were creating, you know, the circle and the sort of waves throughout it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I really enjoy doing. So the circle I mean, the, the tools I use are so basic. It's stuff that you find around your house. It's nothing fancy at all. Yeah. So the big circle that represents the sun shining through the water is actually a large placemat that I got at Ikea, believe it or not. And I put it under, after I painted the fabric, and it's still, the pigment is still wet. I can put it underneath the fabric and scrape away the top. Oh. And that creates that look you know uh-huh. and then the little sort of wavy things I use the credit card for that uh-huh. the credit cards are very handy and yeah anyway <laughs> yeah, it's better to use them for that than to spend all your money right <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah, that's great so yeah. did you do a whole series of water I'm I'm still working on it yeah uh, okay and so that's some your- of them now have weeds kind of flowing through them and yes. oh nice I started realizing this is many years ago that you know you can print with any object that has texture on it and create a texture so I use the leaves and I just collect leaves and I use them and you can paint the leaves and then print with it so that's what I did so they all have a background of some kind so I would paint and sometimes screen print the background And then I would use the leaves on top. And sometimes I would print them on a separate fabric and um, fuse them onto that. Mm -hmm. And there are so many lovely leaves out there. Yeah. You know, there are. (laughs) But you got to make sure they have a nice, nice veins on the bottom side of them. You know, because if they're they're not, they're not going to work. Yeah. But uh, that's how I do that. And I have a whole series of smaller quilts where I used a lot of leaves in them and um, larger ones too that I used leaves. Yeah. yeah. So I bet you could do any kind of printing with this color via. You could do block printing, lino printing, found object printing, recycled Absolutely. recycled items printing. These are all the things that I love to do. Um, so I can't wait to try this product. I have it. I've actually bought it, as you know, and yeah. I I literally have to crack open the package. You know, it's finding time, right? I had yes. a lovely get. I had a lovely guest on my show recently who's really inspired me because she mentioned she just casually mentioned, um, yeah, January is my month to create, and I was like, what? What? Wait a minute! Like a whole month you just set aside to do your creative practice, and so I was inspired by that. So I might have to just take, you know, take a tip from her and do that with my color V. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how you incorporate photographs into your quilts. Okay, so I always got my camera with me. I mean, nowadays it's on the phone. It's so easy. Yeah. And I take photographs and I take photographs of textures. I take photographs of water, (laughs) rocks, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then I can print that onto fabric. By using this product, it's called Bubble Jet Set, and you soak the fabric in that, and then you can print it through your printer. Take it from it, take the picture from your computer, and print it like you would print paper 
through the computer. You know, you have to put a backing on it so it doesn't yeah. jam up your, your printer. Uh, that's the process that I use. Sometimes when I use larger prints, um, I have a few quilts where I've used very large photographs. So then I send it out and have it printed and print on the fabric. And then I can quilt that, yeah. you know, with that. Yeah. And so when you use that bubble jet set, do you need to heat set that as well? No, it no. doesn't need to be heat set. And to be quite honest, I don't think it's very wash fast. I use it for quilts that basically won't be washed. Yeah, that makes know. sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use it for an apron or something like that that you throw in the wash twice a week or something. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question here about what's new on the design wall, but you already mentioned that you're working on your water series. Is there anything else exciting that you're working on? Oh my God. I have so many ideas, you know, it's, hard, it's like you say, it's hard to get the time. Yeah. I like the idea of setting January aside for yeah. just creating. It's hard to do, you know, because I sell my work as well. I have to deal with the business, yeah. you know, business side of things. But I, I would love to do that or at least week. That would be wonderful, yeah. you know. Yeah. So my newest little thing is sort of little prints that, that are going to be Six by six, mainly, or not larger than 12 inch square. And I base it, I've had this in my mind for so long, and now I made the screen for it. And it's a series of sushi, because I love sushi. So it, they're all going to have sushi involved in them somehow. Oh. So I don't think that sushi is going to take over the leaves, but, <laughs> you know... <laughs> But there's going to be a lot of sushi involved now. Yeah, that yeah. sounds really fun. So when you're creating a series like that, do you find that you either give yourself a topic or do you give yourself parameters like size like that all the time just for fun? I tend to now work a little bit smaller. You know, sometimes when you're applying for a show, they'll have a size parameter. And I used to use those parameters, but, um, hmm, you know, Nowadays, I just think I won't apply to a show unless they have something that I already have yeah, <laughs> or, or that I'm already working on, you know, so I don't create something especially for a jury show, really. Yeah. Okay. So how have organizations like SACWA been meaningful for you? I think SACWA is absolutely amazing. And they also have get togethers for members on Zoom, which is wonderful. Again, it's one of the things that came out of COVID, really. There are conferences every couple of years in Sakwa. And the next conference is actually in Toronto. Yeah. Um, next year. In the yeah. spring. Right. And it's in person. So I thought, oh, fingers crossed here that we will be yeah. able to do it. Because the last one that was in Toronto, we had, because of COVID, we had to cancel it. It was really yeah. quite sad. Yeah. Yeah. But so what other kinds of groups have guided your path? There's there's a group that I'm involved with and that I absolutely adore. It's called Connections Fiber Artists. And there are, I think, 23 or 24 of us in the group. And we decide that we want to have an exhibition once a year. And often there's a topic that we use. Many times we work with the Wellington County and Archives Museum in Alora in Ontario, 
And uh, they have a vast collection of things that we can pick an object as our inspiration. And that's been really fun to do. And then we have an exhibition. Mm. And the members work in all kinds of different media. It, they're fiber artists in the widest sense of the word. And, you know, there are only a couple of us, well, maybe three, or maybe actually more now that I think about it, who are actually printers and uh, and do quilts. And the rest is somehow see three-dimensional, just different works. And it's a wonderful group. We get together every six weeks or so. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has been on Zoom, of course. Yeah. And we have one exhibition, one installation that's up in Halliburton. There's a place called the Halliburton Forest and Wildlife Center. And artwork is installed along one of the walking trails. Oh. So you can see, and it was installed in May. So I didn't see it this time. The weather was very bad when I was when I was up when I had a chance to go. But so I mean it's gonna be up until animals and the weather take take their bite out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have lived in several different countries and you've traveled all, all around the world. So how have your world travels inspired your art? I think tremendously, because I tend to travel to places that have a lot of fabric, <laughs> you know, like India, Japan, South America. And I think the great thing is that the colors inspire me. It's just like you get a shot in the arm, you know. It definitely inspires me. And new techniques kind of come up, not necessarily that I use, but that can inspire me to use my techniques in a different way, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So how did your business shift over the pandemic? You know, it was really interesting because at the start of the pandemic, I was signed up to teach, to lecture in a lot of places. And of course, everything got canceled. And one of them was the um, the SACWA conference in Toronto. So I was I was almost paralyzed then because it was like life just stopped, you know. And then eventually I got out of that and I started doing some teaching and lecturing online. And I got my lectures that I give to quilt guilds and conferences and anybody who's interested. I've got them now completely online. So that works. Uh, and I also have some on-demand workshops that are also online. Yeah. And I'm going to do live online printing oh. <laughs> as well. So that's that'll be coming up soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would love to do that. That yeah. sounds like right up my alley. Fun. Okay. So in your art world, what brings you joy? Oh, you know what? Um I love seeing other people's work, other textile artists' work. I really like working myself. Obviously, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. One of the things that I enjoy is nature and going out in nature and just absorbing the calm and the quiet, or sometimes it's not so calm and quiet, but just absorbing all the nature things. Yeah. And seeing art. I love seeing art. And going to museum and seeing work of people who work in different disciplines. It doesn't necessarily have to be fabric, right? 
Yeah. I love that too. And when you when you talked about just enjoying the moment in nature that that just brought something to mind because this morning I'm walking my dog every morning for an hour because my husband is out of town for a week. And this morning I was walking down this path with her and I found myself I was really delighted because there was so many leaves there because we had a big snow last week and it's kind of gone in that area. And I was just kicking through the leaves. And I realized I was halfway down the trail and my dog was looking at me like, are you ever going to throw the ball for me? (laughs) And I was just so (laughs) delighted by the leaves and I was just enjoying myself. So yeah, I can understand how you can really get immersed in nature and take that and bring it into your art. That's great. Yes. Okay. So we're going to take a quick commercial break right now. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Gunal's teaching and lectures, her books, and so much more. We'll be right back. Northcott Fabrics are famous to quilters for their Stonehenge and O Canada collections. Right here on this podcast, we give away fabric from Northcott Collections, Banyan Batiks, and Figo Fabrics. Look for all of these at your local quilt shop. Northcott, cottons that feel like silk. Do you feel physically and mentally weighed down? Not feeling creative or happy at the end of every day? Dara Thomason has created the perfect solution for you. It's called Love Yourself Thin. It's a lifetime membership for quilters where they guarantee their own permanent weight loss. Discover how to liberate yourself from your old weight loss stories and start living the life you truly want. The website is daratomason.com and it's spelled D-A-R-A-T-O-M-A-S-S-O-N. Love Yourself Thin. The Quilter on Fire podcast has over 4,000 unique listeners per week. And not only that, each advertisement is up for the life of the podcast. If you have a quilting business and you advertise, you need to advertise right here. Drop me an email at brandy at quilteronfire.com to pick your advertising spot today. Okay, so we are back. So Gunal, let's start off with your instructional books. They're all about visual texture. So tell us about that. Okay, so they're they're basically for using color V, but you can use a lot of the techniques without other um, paints or fabric paints or pigments as well. So the first one just shows different techniques that and tools that you can use. Like you can use something as simple as a fork to create a pattern in your fabric. You can put something under your fabric and scrape away the top layer, and you can just paint on the fabric. And the second book is soft textures. So then I talk a little bit about how you can actually dilute the color V and make it into a dye almost. So you can dip dye the fabrics a little bit and uh, use other techniques. Yeah. So I guess if it's if it's diluted a bit, you could sort of do like watercolor painting or something. It feels like over across the fabric. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can do things like you paint on your fabric and then you can spritz it with water and you get, you know, a very soft look. It takes a long time to dry, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so are those available as PDFs or are they hard copy books and where can we get them? They're hard copy books and uh, I actually sell them on Etsy or anybody can just contact me directly and, you know, just email me and I can send them out that way. The easiest thing I think is to do it on Etsy. The Etsy site is called Color V. Okay. And maybe we should spell that. (laughs) C-O-L-O-U-R-V as in Victor, I-E. Okay, perfect. Okay. So 
I really, how did it feel when you, when you created these books for the first time, it was to go with Color V, right? So, but how did it feel to have the first copy of your brand new book in your hands? It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, it, it was really good. I, um, you know, I went to the printers while they were printing it and just saw them kind of like chunk, chunk, chunk coming out there, you know, and then, and then, and I had them. Oh, that's so great. Okay. So let's do a little dive into your studio. Can you describe your workspace to us? Yes. Right now, it's the smallest studio I've ever had, I think. (laughs) It's, um, it's the downstairs of my house, the ground floor of my house. And I knocked out all the walls down there. So I could put in the print table is five meters long. And I can teach classes in there as well, which I haven't done since COVID. But, um, you know, it can be done. And I use it to print and to sew and do all my quilts and so on. But before that, I had much larger studios. My largest studio, I think, was it was 8,000 square feet. Wow. Which is huge. It was in a warehouse in Toronto. And the print tables there were 30 meters long. So we could roll out, you know, a, a whole bolt of fabric and print it. And there were two print tables. So we would print the first one and then go over to the second one. And then by the time we got back to the first one, we could print in repeats that were missing. You know, it was great. <laughs> that was a real production situation. Yeah. And I realized that I got quite burned out by doing that. I mean, it was it was very successful. But yeah. for me personally, I felt that, you know, I needed to get smaller. And that's when I started doing the theater things that didn't demand such a huge place, you know, for printing the theater yeah. costumes. Yeah. And so let's talk about some of the workshops that you do. So on your website, you have some virtual workshops and just describe some of them to us. What what would happen? Would you sign up and take an on-demand class or is it like a guild would sign up and book you for a virtual Zoom? Yeah, both actually. My lectures are, I have three different lectures that are about an hour long, each of them. And they they consist of slides and, uh, you know, I, I usually talk with the slides and or some are recording. So that would be for guilds and for conferences to book those. And then I have the on-demand uh, workshops that you can sign up for. There's a link mm-hmm. that you can sign up for that individually. And that takes you to where you can look at it, see what's involved, and then sign up. So those are, one is called Make Your Mark, and that includes doing different kinds of block printing. And the other one is actually leaf printing, now that we talked about leaves. (laughs) And it includes a section of the leaves about how you can take fresh leaves and you can actually preserve them so you can print in January when there might be snow on the ground. Oh, that's kind of cool. And going back to your lecture, though, one of your virtual lectures is called How to Use a Potato Masher. Do you really talk about a potato masher for 45 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just the name of it. (laughs) I I talk about what I did at one point. I had um, a blog where I would print 
with different things, starting with A for Apple, B for a bath mat, C for a credit card, and so on. So I just called it How to Use Your Potato Masher because it's a fun name and because that's one of my favorite things. But it shows all the different things you can print and manipulate your fabric with to create a really nice textured surface on your fabric. Yeah. Yeah, it's so great. And the photo is really good. It's a golf ball. And you can see how it makes this really cool design on the fabric when you've spun it around. That's really cool. Is there one lecture that's been more popular than others? I think the most popular is uh, printed and dyed fabrics, a journey of beauty, where I take you to different countries and I show all kinds of different fabrics from different countries, printed fabrics mostly. And then, um, you know, I show what you can do yourself. So to create you know, f- nice printed fabrics or, or painted fabrics as well. And that one has been a favorite for quite some time now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. So if you are listening right now and you're a member of a guild, of course, you can go to the website and you can connect with Gunal today to book her lecture. Okay. So now we are about to head into the lightning round, Robin. But first, what is your favorite time of the day? You know what? I'm a real night owl. I've always been, I think I was born late and that's the kind of it. And I think it also started when, you know, I had a child and uh, that was a quiet time, you know, like everybody was asleep, no phone calls, no, nobody wanting my attention. It was lovely. Yeah. Time. (laughs) And I still am. Time to get stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're heading into the lightning round, Robin. It's a rapid fire series of questions, but it's really fun. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, what is your favorite tool or notion? I would say potato masher. And... <laughs> I could have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> and screen and squeegee. Uh, okay, yeah. Do you have any little collections around your home? I have lots of little collections. I mean, that's the thing when I go traveling. I can't help myself. I buy all these wonderful fabrics everywhere. Mm. Oh. And I kind of put them up on the wall for a while and then move them around. Okay. And if you were looking for creative inspiration for a new series or something, where would you go? I ooh, I would take it from my sketchbook. That's one place. And I would also take it from nature. Okay. Okay. What is your, well, we might have asked this question already, but what is your favorite recycled item to stamp with? <laughs> uh well it's the potato masher again and I have um a pastry mixer that's my absolute favorite tool as well and a massager that works really ah, well little yeah, dogs. Yeah. I love shopping with my mom in secondhand stores and I'm constantly in the kitchen where trying to find different things that I can print with I love I love recycled item printing so that's one of the things I do a lot you know, when I travel, I go into those places too. And I got these amazing potato mashers. My favorite one is from Portugal. And I got another one from Turkey. You know, it's just, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> People cool. mash potatoes all the time, right? Yeah. And it's not just the one potato masher you've been using forever. You have a collection of them, I bet. I think I have about 50 of different oh, <laughs> Okay, and the last question is, what is a hobby you love besides textile art? 
I love being out in nature. I love canoeing. I love swimming. I just love being out in nature. That that's the hobby. Then I read a lot. So yeah. So that's another thing, you know, in the winter months when you can't do that. And I like walking. Yeah. That's okay, more well, than my hobby. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so thank you for braving the lightning round, Robin. You did a great job and it was super fun. So where's the best place for quilters to engage with you on social media? I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page as well. So, hey, just get in touch and say hello. And yeah, so you <laughs> and can friend me on, on Facebook. Yeah, for sure. You can find Gunalhog Studios business page on Facebook. You can follow there and then you can find her on Instagram at Gunalhog123. Now I'm going to outline the contest giveaway. So Gunal is going to give away two books, the Creating Texture book and the Creating Texture Soft Texture book. What a generous prize. Thank you so much, Gunal. You're welcome. Now, Gunal, as we wrap up today, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation? I would say just keep on creating. Don't be afraid of anything. Just go for it. Just keep on creating texture, creating whatever it is. Don't be afraid. Just go for it. Yeah, do whatever you like with no limits, right? That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I love that message. And that's a great way to end the show. So Gunal, I loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. So that was my show with Gunal Hag, a Canadian textile and design artist who has a lifelong career of awards and international acclaim. One thing I really admire, and I purchased the product immediately, is her concern with health and safety, both in her studio and in the classroom, which has led her to actively promote the water-based Color V pigment system. So she's been doing that for the last 20 years, so you know that she loves it. So be sure to check out her website at www.gunalhugstudio.com. She has online workshops that you can just buy and take immediately on demand. And she has lectures you just might want to book for your guild. It was a pleasure to have her on the show. The countdown is on to cruising the Caribbean with me, the quilter on fire, and Stitch in Heaven. Only four months to go before we set sail. Book now before the spots are all gone. Just imagine the gorgeous blue-green waters, the sandy beaches, and a super fun quilt project to top it all off. Don't delay. Start your dream countdown today. Go to stitchinheaven.com and search for Patchwork Pirates. The cruise sets sail May 14th to 21st, 2023. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.